OSU Beavers, Lynn Benton Roadrunners, and any other new guests, welcome to another episode of Chi Alpha After Hours podcast, where we take a closer look at what it means to follow Jesus on the college campus and beyond. Since this quarter, we will be announcing where we'll be going for our missions trip this coming summer. We thought it would be helpful to explain what a missions trip actually is, address concerns about missions work, potentially wrecking someone's culture or talking about those hard things, um, openly talking about previously negative effects in Christian missions history, and the efficiency or lack thereof of short-term missions trips and the proper attitude in reaching people motivated by love. So we're just going to tackle all those hard topics. And as we're talking about this topic, please keep in mind that this is only three perspectives on this topic. So if you'd like additional resources, please talk to anyone on staff here at Chi Alpha, and we'd be happy to help point you to more voices. Um, and your hosts today are Anna, Nathan, and Christian, and we hope to help shape your thoughts and hopefully answer some hard questions about what missions is really all about. So let's start off with uh, this question, specifically, what are short-term missions trips and are they actually effective? Yeah, um, so in essence, a short-term mission trip is just, you know, we would typically say it's like somebody going somewhere for anywhere between a couple days to, you know, um, maybe up to a month, maybe even two months, um, going on some, you know, mission trip for for Jesus, um, having different kinds of focus. Like it could be an evangelistic trip. It could be a service trip. Um, it, there's all kinds of things that it that it could look like, you know, people setting up a, a dentist shop or something like free dentistry for people in a, in a place where they don't usually have that. It could be people going and sharing the gospel, people teaching at a school. It, it's all kinds of things just, but mostly it's just for a short amount of time. Something like one to, you know, anywhere between a couple of days, to a couple of months. I, I also think like you could consider, um, sometimes people do like a give a year thing or, give a couple years, you know, give two years. And that's kind of on the longer side, but in some ways you could even call that like a short-term trip, mm -hmm. you know, a short-term experience to try to test out things. Yeah, I think a uh, short-term missions trip, a good example for me in college, I went for a, a week. So it was like seven days that I gave up my spring break to go to Texas to go work with another campus ministry there and reach out to their campus. And so I think that's a really, for me, it was a really good length of time, especially as a freshman in college. Seven days was really doable for me. Um, and so I think on top of what Christian was saying, I think a short-term missions trip can help us as Christians better understand and learn or fast track the learning process of what mission actually means and gives us like a place to practice that. Um, and it's not as daunting as saying, oh my gosh, I have to give up five years of my life and go to this country that I don't know, like the language and I don't know this or that, and I'm going to be there for five years and that kind of thing. Um, so that's what, that's what I would say about short-term missions trips. And I think with this question of like, are they actually effective? We can talk about that a little bit later, but um, I know I walked away with some really neat stories of going on a short-term missions trip. And one of the ones that I can think about is um, I went out with a couple friends on a 
college campus in Texas. And we met like three or four people that identified themselves as Christians and they had no idea their campus had any sort of Christian community or any sort of Christian group. And so we invited them to come to their evening service and got them connected with some people. And I'm connected with those people still on Facebook that I met during outreach. And it looks like they stayed connected into that Christian community and kept growing in their faith. Mm -hmm. Um, And so a way, I think a way that uh, short-term mission trips can be effective is like you can go help spread the net that Jesus talks about, like fishing for people and bringing them into community is like you can spread that net wide and like help a community spread their, the net wide. Um, so that's that's definitely like a positive of that. Yeah, and I think I, I just like, like when you said, Anna, like you went and joined a, a community, like that, you know, you went and connected them with somebody else. I think one of the keys to is like our mission trips, short-term mission trip successful is like, are we furthering the mission of somebody who's there like long-term? Yeah. Like, are we like partnering with somebody who's really invested and are we serving them in a meaningful way that helps further the goals that the Lord has put on their mission. And so, you know, we went to Cambodia and, um, and, you know, instead of like having these, like, we're going to go to Cambodia and we're going to reach all these people for Jesus. And we're going to do it by ourselves, you know, having this idea of like, Oh, we, we know a missionary that's been there for a long time Mm -hmm. and he's set up a lot of good relationships. And one way that we can really help his street cred like grow and the way we can help his ministry is we can go we went and taught English in an elementary school like we just did some English classes um, and it was like it wasn't we didn't need to be professional teachers or whatever we just had to speak English and do things like lead head shoulders knees and toes you know that song we just <laughs> led that a lot so then helped with their vocabulary their practice um, and so that was really helpful but and their the kids English got better over the course of like a week, but not like, not now that it's not like now they can speak English, but it was like, whoa, these guys came and, and it made Ken, like the missionary there, get more credibility. Mm-hmm. And um, we were able to encourage the believers there some. So I think just having good goals makes it more effective, like reasonable goals, you know, and then also just like partnering with Um, somebody who's already there furthering their mission in the way that they would see as helpful. Um, You know, over like, you know, if you imagine Ken has, you know, multiple trips, like I think he has like up to six trips a year Mm -hmm. of English speakers coming and teaching in these schools. So you could imagine like over time that could be actually pretty helpful for these kids, you know, having exposure to English speakers and, and just the constant, different people coming like we're partnering and we're we're doing some we're playing a part of being a meaningful outreach and what ken's doing so so there's like different ways like that mm-hmm. i think too with um that that practical need of me- meeting the need of helping them learn english i think some people might think i can just hear in my mind some people asking or saying well that's not sharing the gospel with people like, shouldn't you have learned their language and be able to share the gospel, like learn three sentences of their language? Um, but I think the reality is like what was happening there was Christian or in the team, they were they were meeting a need. Um, and the thing about those kids learning English, maybe the Lord 
has somewhere that is an English-speaking country that he wants them to go in the future. Mm-hmm. And so Christian and his team, this team that went down to Cambodia, was helping them learn English. And the Lord can use any small or large or medium-sized effort, whatever we give to him. When we when we go on like a short-term missions trip, it's like, Lord, I'm giving you my week, so would you work through me? And would your spirit do something? And, um, you know, there's that that image of like a seed being planted and then watered. Um, I really think that's like what is happening, um, what can happen on short-term missions trips. Mm-hmm. I think I have, I've been on a, a number of missions trips in my life. Uh, I've been on uh, one week. I've been on a two-month um, I think I've been on another one, but I don't remember it. Um, and I've done, um, some charitable work, uh, for a number of summers and things like that. Um, and there's one of the same, one of the, there's like all these positives that come to come with like doing short-term missions works that Christian and Anna have said, but like one of the things that's actually a really big Another aspect of it is for a campus missionary when we program these things and stuff like that. One of the worries is, is like how much change actually develops in our students mm-hmm. through this. And there's actually um, a study I read some time ago that short-term missions actually don't produce a lot of long-term growth in the participant, if that makes sense. So the, the person that goes on the missions trip like for the week or something like that, they actually are like, oh man, that was a really cool experience, but they actually don't like necessarily change. And I've actually had a great deal of change arise out of out of short term a short term missions trip mm-hmm. in myself. But it's it's like there's the difficulty of of most missions trips is like the mat the, the matter of being other oriented. So I think a lot of a lot of people go on these short term missions trips in order to have like this really cool experience and like I want to do all the cool things. I want to see a new country. I want to do all this stuff. But it's actually not about like the otherness. Even the things that you give end up being about your own experience and stuff. Mm-hmm. Whereas like Christ calls us to be on mission always and to give up our like our own self-interest mm-hmm. in order for to profit another person's interests, another person's development. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a really big concern. Like I've led a, I've led a missions trip before. And one of my biggest worries is like, do the guys that I've, I've, I took there, like how much do they remember? Or, and the ladies that were on my team as well, how much do they remember how much did they, the things that they learned, did they really like take them home and really like hold tightly to them? Or did they just sort of like, oh man, that was so cool. It reminds me a little bit of a Chronicles of Narnia actually, hmm. where in the last book and called The Last Battle, um, Susan, who's been to Narnia a number of times, but C.S. Lewis accounts, uh, uh, Sorry, sorry. Susan, who's been to Narnia, she's like queen of Narnia and things like that. But in the last book, she actually doesn't join the rest of the group in Narnia. And the reason is, is because she, C.S. Lewis, like, picks out this really fine nuance of, like, she didn't take Narnia with her into the world. She just sort of 
counted it as a fond memory. And she just kind of went on with her life and like she wasn't allowed, she didn't allow it to really change her. Mm-hmm. That was at least my interpretation of it. And sometimes like the biggest worry I have is like, yeah, it really benefits a lot of people and things like that, but it's about giving our whole life into the thing and allowing ourselves to be changed by what we, by what the Lord has given to us to do that um, really produces a fruit in us. Um, it's, it's like, um, I mean, the stories we, we ultimately really look up to, the stories that we really look up to from missionaries are not, actually not the ones that go for a week. It's the ones that go for a lifetime. Mm. Yeah. And so, um, and they endure, and they, they don't always have fun experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and so there's this, like, aspect to mission trips. Like, it really does benefit people. Like, I imagine those kids in Cambodia, they're just like, oh, man, they think it's amazing. They're like, Americans would come and talk to us, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. They're like, they're, they're supposed to be the, the wealthiest of the wealthy. Why would they ever like give us our time? And so, but think about Ken, who is an American, he's from Oregon and they might look to him and be like, an American gave up his life in like this first world country. And that's what we're called to really. It's like giving up the whole of our life, the whole of our wealth for another's interest. And that's significant to those, those people uh, in that country. And while, yeah, we're only teaching English and we oftentimes in giving to people, we feel like we don't have much to give, but it's actually really meaningful to give like, and just share our life with another person. Mm-hmm. Um, the ministry of Christ is really just about sharing his life with other people. Um, it's not so much about the mirror and it is, a, the miracles are important and the words are important, but it's the fact that he shares his life with people. Mm-hmm. That is actually the significant part actually and that's what we're called to do it's about sharing our life and not just like oh hey i got i went oh yeah i did this cool missions trip Mm -hmm. it's like no like go home like how can you like take what you learned here and bring it home Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i think i think like a word for that is like identification so i've heard of some people going on a mission trip and they're like um i didn't do anything but i got to go pee be a part of a people that are Christians that are there. I'm, I'm there to, and I'm encouraging other believers. And all of a sudden now we get to have like a bond, like even if it's like a short one, like we were able to encourage each other in Jesus. And it's like, whoa, Jesus cares about me so much. He sent somebody from another part of the world or from another city to come and encourage me and to walk alongside of me. And so, um, or even for us who do go like, we go and it's like, oh, we were able, we were invited into the mission of somebody else um, for Jesus. And there's this, you know, um, one of the words was like, is this efficient? And the kingdom of God is just not an efficient mm-hmm. That's um, community. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't mean it's not effective. It just means, um, you know, are these mission trips like efficient? Probably not the most efficient, but they definitely are very meaningful and they're ways for us to connect meaningfully with other believers mm-hmm. to encourage them. Like a lot of these missionaries, um, like I remember going to San Francisco rescue mission and um, they had all these short term trips coming for spring break. We were just one of a, a couple and um, another guy, he was named Christian, pastor Christian. He said to his team, all right, the teams are leaving on Friday and let's just start praying now. Cause it's so discouraging. 
when they leave because mm. it was so it so life-giving when they're here mm-hmm. and um and that was just so telling for me that what when we came like we were giving them life and we're giving them connection and usually they feel in the trenches and they feel alone but we can come and be you know somebody that's encouraging for them encouraging for these missionaries encouraging for these workers and so that's that's a mm-hmm. real ministry mm-hmm. ministry also yeah something i was going to say was a helpful thing when i was in college was um you know talking about um christian is talking about how you know we we go and we give and then hopefully you know it shapes us and i remember um Part of how a short-term mission was casted to me, casted to me, (laughs) yeah, as I was a student, was like, oh, when you go to a different place and then you come back, you kind of get this idea of like, if I could do this sort of work and like love people in this way there at this place, why can't I do it here? So it's like there's a little bit of a heart check mm-hmm. that goes on. Um, or there's like, oh, I could do that there. I could do that here now. Um, and it's it's kind of like a challenge to live our lives in a, in a more like outward focused way. Um, so that leads us well, I think, into our next question. What does it mean and look like to be motivated by love to reach people for Christ? I think... Um something we have to really consider when we say, you know, motivated by love is like we actually have to work on our definition of what love is. So it's really easy for us to say it like in our culture. It's like, oh, love this, love that. It's like, well, okay, does does your idea of love, um, does your idea of love match with the life of Jesus? So... Um, the life and death of Jesus, actually. Um, the death being actually pretty important to our definition of love, actually. Um, and so one thing is, is like motivated by love. It's like, actually, can I be motivated to sacrifice for another person's interests? Mm-hmm. Um, which in our culture is actually um, something that I think we find very challenging Um I think, you know, it, there's a statistic that says that the United States is actually the most generous, one of the most generous nations in the world. Um, like we give charitably a lot of money. However, one thing I noticed is that we very seldom give much of our life or our time to people. Um, that's that's actually point. where the sacrifice, that's actually where most of our sacrifice is hard. Uh, we make a lot of money. We make enough to provide for ourselves and provide, you know, luxuries for ourselves which is and those things aren't necessarily bad um but like um the idea of like hey well i gave a thousand dollars it's like well how many hours of work did that translate into it's like well it translated into x number of hours it's like well could you think of like not working those hours and giving those hours like yourself into that and um, one of the things I do like about short-term mission strips is it's a financial commitment, which is, mm-hmm. you know, hours of work, like that's hours of our life spent making that money. 
But then on top of that, it's like hours of our actual life, like being somewhere else. We could be making money doing a job or something mm. like that or studying or something uh, for school and stuff. But we actually choose to like sacrifice those things in order to like promote someone else's well-being. Yeah. And um, that is a very inefficient mindset, actually. Um, but it's an other oriented mindset and it's a it's actually i think putting it in front of the lord to redeem like those things and restore those things that we sacrifice so it's like can i trust like can i trust hey the lord is going to provide and maybe i get a c on my test but you know what that pleased the lord more and like i'm just going to trust that the lord is going to get me through my classes this term and i'm going to pass or hey you know what I'm, yeah, I'm going to give a week and I do have a job and I need to pay bills, but you know what? I'm going to just trust the Lord is going to be my provider Mm -hmm. because it's more important for me to be other oriented. And so, and so like when we say motivated by love, it is like saying like, I am going without the life I want so that another person can have more life Mm -hmm. so that they can see like the love of Christ, which did the same thing in me for them Mm -hmm. so yeah well nathan was talking i just um had the thought this sounds like this phrase sounds political because it's tied to something very personal and political but i mean there's this phrase that's going throughout our culture of like um love is love and i my question is like like what is what is what is that like what is love and so i think the first thing that in our culture is like love is an emotion. And I think when we go into like doing missions or going into something where we um, are, are called to love or God asks us to love other people, like I know for me, like when I went to Texas on that short-term missions trip, I was like, I don't know who I'm going to love. So how can I, and I don't really know what I'm going to feel. So I don't necessarily feel love towards these people. It's like, Mm -hmm. what is love in this? And um, I think going off of what Nathan was saying, I think love is in this sense an action. I don't think it's necessarily an emotion. And um, it's something that um, Christ gives us. And I think... um, if someone is is doing something out of love, like I'm thinking about like First Corinthians 13, but like if someone is someone is doing, for example, a missions trip, not out of love, then it's just going to be noise. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just going to be a clanging symbol. Mm-hmm. But um, if it is motiv- if something is motivated by love and it's followed by, if it's an action, if some something, if it's someone that someone is, if it's something that someone is choosing to do because mm-hmm. of the love of Christ for them, then I think mm-hmm. that, and that sacrifice, mm-hmm. that is love. Yeah, I, just to add a little thing to that, it's like mm-hmm. the, poten- I would say the most loving things to do, the, the most loving things I've done, the most loving things people have done for me are the ones that they chose to do despite not wanting to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like that, it invokes this idea of like, look, I am determined 
to, you know, my parents. I was a total depressed, very negative kid growing up, and my parents still fed me, mm-hmm. you know, and they didn't leave me, and my mom still cared a great deal about me and, and things like that. And they were like, you were a... <laughs> my mom... <laughs> My mom actually said this to me. I love my mom. She's a wonderful person. Sorry, mom, if you're upset about this. But she told me in my late 20s, she was like, Nathan, I didn't always like you, but I did always love you. (laughs) (laughs) I love my mom. Hey, mom. (laughs) I'm sure that's how every parent feels about their kids at some point. But like, as I've gotten older, I'm like, actually, my parents like made a huge sacrifice because I was kind of a pill. Mm -hmm. And it's like. And it was only until I got like older in life that I realized actually the choices my parents made that were very uncomfortable and very difficult for them were um, probably the most important ones in some ways. Um, so, yeah, it's like I think, you know, with that phrase, love is love, it's like really a focus on some intuitive definition. But we like if there's no like definition for it, then there's no guide. There's no guideposts. Anything can be mm-hmm. loving. Mm-hmm. But it's like some things really are not. Our culture even would say that there's things that are not loving. But Well, I mean, I, I think what really gets at, and I think it's really relevant for the question about mission trips in particular, actually. Like, I think that, I mean, I'm not super familiar with the phrase love is love, but my sense of it is is like don't, don't crowd my experience like don't don't try to tell me like my experience isn't love you know um but the truth is is like real love is not like i mean experiencing that love and being a part of it sure is part of it but the the underlying aspect of love is a is a self-givingness and so you know what we love is really about the gift like for us to give that mm-hmm. gift of love. And, mm-hmm. and you know, that's what Nathan is talking about, like how his parents gave to him. And I think about in a mission trip, like what makes a, a difference between a good mission trip and a bad mission trip or a bad mindset and a good mindset is like, are you going so you have some epic experience and do you have in your mind like, well, this is what we're going to accomplish versus like we're going to go and serve the people we're going to go and serve Christ according to what he says that we're going to do. And so sometimes there's some mission trips you're going to go and you're just going to be a janitor because mm-hmm. they need you to do that. Mm-hmm. Or you're going to be, um, do you're going to be cooking, you know, um, we, we just did retreat, you know, and, uh, the, the beach getaway, we just did that. And hope spent so many hours in the kitchen, you know, like mm-hmm. helping make sure everything. And it was like one of the most important jobs and she's super tired, you know, and, mm-hmm. Um, but it was really giving and that was what was needed for that, you know? And so it's like a question of like, what, what is your mindset? Are you, mm-hmm. are you going to get something, which I think a lot of our culture, when they say love is love, they're like saying, don't try to prevent me what, from what I could get. Mm-hmm. But really what love means is to like, go with this mindset of what can I give? What is needed? What, how can I care for somebody else? You know, it, it might also mean being patient about what you say, like sometimes, you know, proclaiming the gospel super boldly mm-hmm. is not the, it's not the moment for that, you know, so you're on a mission trip and maybe it's like you're, well, what we're supposed to do is just calmly, kindly invite people into relationship, help them feel like Christians aren't jerks. And that's all that you're going to do with that a conversation is 
change the way people see Christians and you're not mm-hmm. connecting them with anybody. You're not doing anything, but hopefully that's like one piece of a puzzle for somebody to getting closer to Jesus. Mm-hmm. But it isn't something that you're going to feel maybe necessarily good about, or you're going to be ambiguous. Like, was that effective or not? But ultimately it was like, well, that was what Christ had for me to do today. Mm-hmm. That was what this person needed. I needed to be patient. And it was more about helping this person like be loved by Christ however they needed to be, however Christ designed for them to be loved at this moment, then what am I getting out of it? Mm-hmm. I Something I would add to that is like, I think with a lot of missions trips and a lot of giving, and this is an American mindset, I think, like the goal, like a very American goal is like, I want to be known and I want to kind of achieve celebrity status. But Christ, uh, but Christ actually calls us to be, on some level uncelebrated or being willing to be undervalued and uncelebrated um, and not being on the forefront. Like one of my, this guy who, I mean, he's pretty known, I admit, but like, I just have so much appreciation for him and what I've read so far is, is this guy named James Houston, who's like been hugely influential in many writers that many Christians have read uh, he's influenced Eugene Peterson and J.I. Packer and like just tons of others, um, Gordon Fee and a great number of others. He's known Henry Nouwen. He actually met Henry Nouwen. Um, uh, he knew C.S. Lewis and like he's this guy who um, has in one way, yes, accomplished a great deal, but like most people don't know his name at all. And, like, I met the guy. I was like, this guy is, like, like I'm really content in my kind of uncelebrated thing. And people know who he is at the, on some level. Like, he's a pro- or was a professor and things like that. He's pretty old. I think he's retired officially now. <laughs> um, but, like, you know, it's like, hey, can if God calls me to be uncelebrated by society, can that be my place? Um, another one that reminds me of is like Christian recommended a book. I cannot remember it, but, uh, the name of it or who wrote it. It was like Samuel Proctor, mm-hmm. Samuel Proctor. He like heavily influenced the civil rights movement of the 1960s, but no one knows about the guy. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, he has a book out there. Right. But like, no one really knows him. Who does everybody know? Martin Luther King. Right. Who taught, who like helped Martin Luther King to get where, where he is, Samuel Proctor. It's like, can we be those people that make others ascend? And ultimately the life of a Christian is to lift Jesus up mm-hmm. and make, you know, as Jeff Mumley, who's the director at the Chi Alpha at Western Washington University says, he's like, our good job is to make Jesus famous, mm-hmm. not ourselves famous, but Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so missions is actually a lot of like, should be, in my opinion, on some level, it's like I'm doing something that I'm I'm undervalued for. Mm -hmm. And like, that's, that's what, that's what we're just called to be, you know. Jesus even says like, whatever you do for the least of these, you're Mm -hmm. doing it for me. Mm -hmm. And so when we elevate, we're doing something to elevate Jesus. Like we're elevating Mm -hmm. those around us Mm -hmm. and that, that goes along with that. Like scripture says, you know, the, the greatest commandment, love God and then love Mm -hmm. others. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And John the Baptist even says, I must decrease so that he can increase. Mm -hmm. 
And our, I think our mentality, if, if that is a loving act towards God, the Father, that's also a similar act we need to be towards other people, is like, I must decrease so others can increase. Mm-hmm. We have to have that attitude. And that's a really, really, really hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a very hard thing to do. And so I think that's why I wonder if for a lot of people, a, f- a short-term missions trip is a great start because it kind of shows and challenges us in a way that our normal society won't. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, cool. Well, while Christian mission trips have brought many good things to the world, there's also a slew of stories where things went very differently than missionaries had thought or planned or there were negative effects that would even last generations. Um, And that makes sense. I mean, people are doing this and people aren't perfect. (laughs) Um, But God is good. Uh, So just want to open up to talk about what are some examples of how some things went negatively, Um, maybe some ideas and thoughts about how God worked through that. And then um, maybe if we have time, talk about how can those things be avoided. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of things. Like one of the one of the main things, though, is like checking your motivation, which is so a lot of these things are actually the things we were just talking about. Like, where's your heart at and yeah. what are you hoping to do? And, you know, our motivation is so important. Like, is this about us having an experience and doing something that we feel good about? Or is it about really seeing the culture, like, and the people that we're going to be serving. Um, you know, there's a book called um, All Things, or it's just called Things Fall Apart by, um, I, I can't say the guy's first name, but his last name's Achebe, and he's a a Nigerian um, man who was part of a, a people group called the Igbo, and um, and he, he wrote a story about, um, you know, he, he is a pioneer of African literature, and he... Um, wrote a story about called things fall apart, which was about this tribe and this particularly this one man, um, in native Africa, you know, in, in native Nigeria. And it's in the time when it's starting to get colonized. And there's this, there's this one part that's like really crazy. There's a, there's a missionary that comes and a missionary comes and he is great at talking to, um, these, like the people of, of this main character's tribe, and he like opens up these ideas about like he tries to speak their language. He he tries to talk in their language. He takes a lot of thought towards their practices. At the time, this this tribe, which now the the Igbo people are like actually like literally they're very Christian now, but at the time they had a different. They had lots of different gods and a lot of spiritism and. Um, but this missionary was trying to speak to them, and he would say, "Well, you know, all those gods like." there's really one God above all. Like, you know, he didn't even try to like destroy all of their thoughts at once. He just tried to patiently share about who God was. And it was, it was moving and it was, it was clearly like, you know, the people weren't, the tribe wasn't adopting it all at once, but they were like, Oh, this is interesting. And the guy was patient. They appreciated his character. Well, anyway, he moved on or his wife died or something like that. And he couldn't stay. And this other missionary came in his place and this other missionary was clearly much more about like you guys need to start looking like people like english english people Mm -hmm. 
like, and this is what Christian doctrine is. If you believe these other things, that's not okay. And really he was an arm for making these people like westernized and it was about colonialism. And so I think, you know, a lot of times we can look at a practice that some, a culture has like, you know, even before this meeting, we were talking about cannibalism or we were talking about, mm-hmm. you know, different, different things that we look at our culture as like, these are horrible and they might be objectively horrible things, mm-hmm. but instead of thinking like we need to get rid of poverty or we need to get rid of, um, you know, some evil practice like sex trafficking or something like that. Those things are bad, but ultimately the thing that's going to change a culture and change people's hearts is the gospel. And when we try to bring our culture and try to make them look more like American culture, that's actually a bad motivation and where we need to let people wrestle with the gospel and let the gospel change a culture from within without just our imposition on it, but while still giving them the truth and light um, in the midst of the darkness that they, they're at. And so I think that motivation question is, is are we really trying to show Christ to people? Or are we trying to bring our culture and um, yeah, cut our own expectations on these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a story that comes to mind for me um, was, uh, yeah, and I'm not saying like this was bad or good. I'm just like relaying this story. Um, there was this guy, I think his name, first name was John. And um, it was out in the news. It was a pretty loud news story where he... Um, went to this remote island off the coast of India and um, basically did everything right. I mean, he started learning their language and stuff, but they this, this tribe on this island had never really ever had visitors before. And so this guy, like, paid these fishermen under the table to go and um, take, take him to this island and... Um, I think he he went and then they were like acting really threatening. So he went back to the mainland and then went back out again um, and ended up landing. And then like soon after he landed, um, he was killed by this tribe and um, they weren't able to recover his body. And uh, he was just really feeling like called from a call from the Lord to do this and you know, we don't know his story and like what he feels like the Lord was saying to him. And um, so stories like this, it's it's tricky because, um, you know, maybe he did exactly what the Lord wanted him to do. But I think, too, there's like this element of like he didn't get permission from the Indian government to go to this island. And so like whoa, well, what if he had gotten permission or gone through that process? Would he actually have been alive? Or there's just like so many questions with all these kinds of things. And so in that case, I mean, he was um, killed in the process of trying to bring the gospel to people. Um, But there was also a sense of like, oh, he went under the table to pay the fishermen to take him. And so I think those kind of ethics – um, in mission of like what's the right thing to do uh, for the sake of the gospel like how how do we like love and respect governments and then how do we like um, you know just those kinds of questions are like really hard and I think that that story brings up a lot of mm-hmm. like 
question. So I was wondering if you, you guys had some thoughts about that. Well, and like you're asking like, well, what does the Indian government then, does that like yeah. jeopardize like future Christian missions for other people that mm-hmm. are there? Like it's, it's not just, he's not alone, you know, like there's those issues and, right. and like, and like honestly, saying, we don't know, this guy could have just been really being obedient to the Lord and, yeah. and who knows like what, what the cost of his life might yield in the future for that island you know like who knows and we don't really know it but it brings up those kinds of questions of like oh how did this hurt other missions or um did he do everything like wisely did he did he understand that island did he understand that culture um was he was he aware was there a more patient way to try to break um break in you know it just there's a lot of questions that it raises that are worth you know teasing out Again, not knowing this guy's particular story too much, but so it mm-hmm. could have been just what the Lord called him to do, and and that's great. But but it brings up these other questions too. I think for me, like, there's two th- parts to this question. Um, I think that we're talking about here is one. There's actually a lot of examples in history of like Christianity not. Um, being ministered in uh and well i'll say is the proper way or the correct motivation within the correct motivation um like there's the examples of like the roman empire um and how they uh would spread with the the crusades and um crusades and the grand Inquis- uh the grand inquisition or the great inquisition i can't remember what it is which one it is um, there's like a lot of examples throughout history of these things where it's not so much about like Jesus and who he is. It's mostly about like preservation of like, um, preservation of like one's culture or one's organization or one's institution. Mm. Um, and that's usually and controlling people and controlling people. Um, and so it's like, well, and like, that's a really interesting distinction to make there. It's like, it's about like a man controlling man rather than God, like people submitting control and yielding control to the Lord. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's this interesting paradox of the fact that, um, Jesus, like we should, should morally give allegiance to the Lord, but the Lord is like, well, I invite you to do it. I don't subjugate you to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I appeal to your 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 heart that you might yield to me, um, but you should do it. Like I have the right to your life because I made it. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that strikes me is like, I was actually talking to a, a, a student that isn't a believer the other day. And he's like, one of the biggest problems I have with Christianity is all the, all the basically bad bad stuff that's happened in the past mm. and i was like it's interesting actually i don't know if there's that many stories of good missions in history that are circulated we give a lot of bad mm. press to we like the bad press everybody knows the bad things that have happened in christianity yeah. but there's like not a lot of statements or emphasis put on like the ones that the reason christianity is still around actually is not the bad stuff it's the good stuff yeah. it's it's Mother Teresa, who's just like, the Lord has called me to serve the poor. Um, that's it's, probably like the most famous one. In recent years. Yes. And the one Nathan likes to talk about the most. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Fam- most famous in Chi Alpha right now. 
in our Chi Alpha right now. Uh, I mean, there, it's Mother Teresa, it's um, Jim Jackie, Elliot. Hmm? Jim Elliot, Jim Elliot, who uh, went to oh gosh, what, what was Ecuador? I think Ecuador, an island in Ecuador, and he basically landed and he was killed. Just in the woods, actually, just deep into the jungle. It was deep into the jungle. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, he gets killed. Um, and then his wife follows him and basically converts. Correct me if I'm wrong. He bas- she basically like converts the island, the, the, tri- the tribe, the tribe, the people in the forest. Yeah, and so yeah. she effectively forgives this tribe for murdering her husband, mm-hmm. and ends up bringing them to uh, bringing them to the Lord. Um, yeah. There's uh, actually how the the Vikings were converted is a really really cool story. Um, so the Vikings in, uh, invaded, uh, England or Ireland, the, that area. Um, and they were like the, the way that the Vikings conquered, if I remember correctly, is they go in, they kill the King and then they take all of like the servants as slaves. Um, and who looks like the servants? It's the guys in the, the dingy brown robes that are, oh. we know them as monks. <laughs> <laughs> and so they take all these dingy slaves and they're just like well the lord's brought us here so let's serve the lord in this capacity and then within like two generations they effectively convert the like vikings by being good servants mm. Wow! because they just dedicated their lives to like well we we know how to serve the lord and so we're going to serve our new masters our new human masters well because that's what honors the lord um Oh gosh, the how Christianity even spread in the first century was actually people were like, it's it was pacifistic actually. It wasn't like fight. It wasn't take over Rome. It was actually like no, like if I give up my life, I get a new one. I don't have to be afraid. Mm-hmm. Um, there's tons of stories of martyrs in the first century and the second century of people who are like, I think Perpetua was pretty well known in the first century. She became a Christian and they're like, well, we don't like Christians. And then she's like martyred. Mm-hmm. Um, Nero, like uh, Nero um, burns all the Christians that you can find in cages and to light the city. And the Christians response is to Christians that are being burned. Their response is to sing praises, sing praises to the Lord while they're burning. And it, the rumor is, is that Nero went mad <laughs> from the, um and either I don't think between that and the, or the lead <laughs> what he drank it was either between that or the lead cups um the you know like it's the the church history does have its bad marks but the reason it's still here is actually largely and there's tons of others there's saint patrick mm-hmm. saint patrick is so cool like saint patrick is like second century he's the guy that wrote be thou my vision third century fifth century, fifth century. sorry okay <laughs> this century and he yeah 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 you know more um this century no it's okay uh goes uh you know he's like he's enslaved as a child in ireland and he somehow gets out uh, he gets out and he uh, trains as a priest. And then he has like what he calls the Macedonian vision, his equivalent to the Macedonian vision. And he's like, and God is like, I want you to go back to Ireland wow. and go serve them. Yeah. And so he goes from, I believe from Rome. all England. Oh, was he in England? He okay. In England. He goes back to, okay. So it's not that far. Of a it's journey. not as far. But, yeah. <laughs> but he goes from England back to Ireland. Mm-hmm. 
and then he he is attributed with converting all of Ireland. Um, he doesn't himself, but like the the his seeds disciples. he plants, his disciples ultimately do over the course of a hundred or so hundred years. And he's like, and he actually also interesting fact, he is the the Irish are actually one of the reasons we have all the writings that we do from the ancient world because the Irish were incredibly literate they're very educated because saint patrick of saint patrick not before saint patrick after saint patrick and so they like copy all of this stuff they're just like oh here's this old book by aristotle let's just copy let's just copy that stuff down oh hey and the reason we have bibles is Mm -hmm. today and all the manuscripts we do that we use for our translations a lot of it's because of the irish Mm um oh gosh yeah, there's, that's I mean, just one person's. That's just one person's influence. Mm-hmm. Look how far it went into the generations. Mean, there's, shoot, there's just there's. I mean, ch- the church exists like the the. I I don't know of a Christian that's like over a thousand, like nineteen hundred years old, like that died like within the last nineteen hundred years, that is remembered for being a good Christian because he murdered people. Mm. I can't think of no. one. No. All the ones that are remembered are the ones that are like, no, they like either died for their faith or they were just like, they were strong and they were convicted and they did that with gentleness and patience and kindness. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus. Yeah. Like, like Jesus. Like Jesus. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's like how those people live. Like you were talking about the people in Rome. Those people, you know, you shared a lot of martyrdom stories, but, you know, the Roman people saw these guys, these people being burned, you know, or be going to the Colosseum. But they, the people were like realizing, hey, the people they're burning are the people that are going into the garbage heap and taking care mm-hmm. of the babies that we, that I left there. They're mm-hmm. taking care of my child that I mm-hmm. couldn't take care of, you know, yeah. or they're. They're seeing them share their food with the poor, even if they're not Christians. They're thinking, these are the people that we're killing. You know, Mm -hmm. that's how it spread was because not only were they brave in death, but they were also brave in life. They gave Mm -hmm. their life in both ends and Mm -hmm. um, and they had a strength. Mm -hmm. And um, it's pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, I think of. Um, another, another. Sorry, getting back to the the bad ones though. <laughs> getting back to how it didn't work. You know, mission doesn't work. I remember. Um, I think too. We come. We have to like give our. You know, kind of going back to like like separating the gospel from our culture or our own expectations. Yeah. Um, you know, when uh, we went to Cambodia, there was. Um, you know, our Ken. He told us a story about somebody who had come, and you know, he had some pretty wealthy people come and. They just decided to, you know, they knew a lot of people were in poverty and stuff. And like the average wage in um, Cambodia is like um, $180 a month is how much they make. And so these guys came and they like, they brought like, I think $10,000 and they put it in hundreds or something, maybe a couple thousand dollars in hundreds. And they saw these kids that were begging and they just gave the kids like $200 each thinking this is going to feed him for a whole month or, you know, like this will help them. Mm -hmm. And Ken's like, you can't do that. That kid's going to get beat up. Like that kid's going to get 
Mm-hmm. Like thrashed by somebody or somebody's going to think he stole it or something. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's, un, it's like, it's like you imagine giving or, or think what, you know, you're giving mm-hmm. an eight-year-old a whole month's salary. It'd be like me giving my kids like thousands of dollars. It's like. What are they going to spend it on? This is a terrible idea. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is like a really bad. Candy. This is like super <laughs> bad, thinking. you know, like yeah. this isn't good. You know, and he's probably working for somebody. Is that going to go to him or is the person that, you know, is making him do the giving? Is he going to just now get money now that kid's going to be back on the street? You know, like it's just like we think like in America, a lot of times we think money solves everything. Money is the main issue where, you know, just us going in there and we, we, you know, I've heard one missionary talk about it's like we're this elephant like Americans can be an elephant that goes to a mission field and, and maybe a mission, maybe, maybe a person there is like a mouse. And this isn't about how important they are or anything, but the, the elephant just being like, how can I help you mouse? How can I, well, you could do this. And like, Oh, I know what I could do. I could do this. And the mouse like, wait, stop, stop. Like, but you know, just so big running around and eventually like seeing like, Oh, where's the mouse and realizing the elephant trampled on it. You know, like that the elephant just, just kind of like gets so task oriented and so big that it forgets to listen to the person that, you know, and see the person that we're there to serve. And so, you know, I think about that story or even Ken was like, when we were like, so should we share about the gospel there? And he's like, well, here's the thing. We're in a Buddhist country. And in Buddhism, the goal is like non-existence. Like the goal is like to die. And if you can achieve non-existence, that's like the end of suffering. So when we talk and we talk about like Jesus offers us forgiveness and we can like live in eternity with him, that's communicating to this culture, to this people with their religious understanding, like the very world, it's like hell. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. their idea of hell is perpetual existence right now. Oh, you know, like, so, and, and it speaks to how twisted that culture is and how enslaved they are that they like long for non-existence and death. Like, like you can think about that's bad that they think that sure. And we need to like help them move to the gospel, but we need somebody who's like skilled at talking to them because if we start just sharing, they're gonna be like, well, I don't want any part of that. And then all of a sudden the chances in the future of talking to them or having, or can having a chance to talk to them is like shot because we aren't being thoughtful about how best to share about Jesus where um, like someone like Ken, who's done years and years of being in a Buddhist culture now has like ways of in, in a long process of talking to somebody about Jesus and who he is that helps take into account those different cultural views and values that can help bring Jesus more to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, Christian's touching on uh, one of our Chi Alpha values, uh, which is learning, or we're learners. And, um, you know, another one of them is mission, right? Mission, mm-hmm. being missional or mission. Um, and I think it, the learning is so important because then we, our eyes can be opened. And I think going on a short ter- short term missions trip, we can learn, even like if we were to go you know, somewhere hour, two hours away, it's still like a different culture. Um, and so like learning from other people and having that humility um, to learn and to um, get to know a culture is like super important. So like even when I was in Texas, 
it was really important to remember the culture is like actually pretty much everyone grew up Christian or grew up having a family member that was super Christian or, you know, even Texas is known as the Bible Belt. So even just having that knowledge and then, oh my gosh, oh yeah, I'm walking on a campus that's like 25% Muslim or something like that. If I'm going and doing outreach, I should know at least a tiny bit about Islam. Even if I don't, you know, that could, that's okay, but it would serve me well to know mm-hmm. some basics about Islam. And so um, I think that's just an encouragement of like, wherever you're at with missions or wherever you're at with like wanting to love people, you, it's really good to know like who you're reaching out to and like what you're walking into. Um, and then also like learning where, like where you're going, like, am I doing this out of love or am I doing this out of like, am I doing this out of, out of, oh, I just want to learn more about a culture or is it like, there's, there's, is there more there? So, yeah. yeah. Neat. Well, um, let's wrap up with this last question, uh, just quickly thinking about, um, and answering this question, um, Maybe just some reminders or some takeaways we have, but what does Jesus teach us about mission through his life, words, and actions? I think um, one thing that Jesus presents it's like to us is, is when I die, what's left behind? It's not like so much about like what can I make in the time that I have here on this earth it's actually more about like what's going to be left behind when i'm when i've passed away and so it it changes one's focus because like if we're focused on like producing something immediately quickly fast um we're ultimately producing um something oftentimes that's not going to last i think um but if we're like hey well no like what's What's the next generation going to have when I leave behind, when I'm, when I'm gone? What's the, what am I leaving behind? Um, when we have that mindset, like we actually create something that's long lasting and long lasting things are more eternal things. Um, and so, yeah, I think Jesus in his life and in his death, he presents this idea. It's like, it's not about what you have in this life. It's about what you leave behind. Like. Mm-hmm. Like that Randy Travis song. Three know. wooden crosses. Oh, that's a you good song. You ever heard that song? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I yeah. bet none of the guys, none of the listeners even heard of Randy Travis. Well, there's a sound, that's or a, a song. song recommendation for yeah. you. Three wooden crosses. Mm-hmm. It's not, he says, it's not what you, it's what you leave behind you when you go. That's the, that's mm-hmm. the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like Nathan George, him and Randy Travis. Even though Nathan hates country music, <laughs> let it be known. Um, I a couple things that are takeaways for me is Jesus. Jesus teaches that God will provide for us, and I think He lives that out really well um, with Him and His disciples. He would tell them like, "When you go, like, don't take anything with you, but trust the Lord that He'll provide." Um, and I think something else that that Jesus Jesus talks about a lot, and I feel like He he teaches about um, and lives is like just this extravagant trust in the Lord. Like when we give extravagantly to the people around us, it's out of a extravagance that the Lord 
lavishes on us of love and um, the power of his spirit. And um, so I think with with Jesus's actions and with his words um, and through his life, he's really communicating that you can trust this God and uh, you can trust me with your life. Yeah, I think it's in uh, like John 12. I can't quite remember it, but I'm pretty sure it's in John 12 where Jesus says, and he, he's talking about his own life, but not just his own life. He says, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dot dead, how can there be a harvest? How can there be many seeds mm-hmm. you know, for the harvest? And, um, you know, he talks about that for his life saying like, unless I died, how could there be, you know, many people that would come to faith, you know, and how could people be forgiven? You know, that's, that's true for him, but it's also a statement for us that, um, like we've been given one life and, you know, if we are focused on what we're going to get out of this life, um, Jesus is very clear that there's going to be a day we're going to lose those things. You know, when we die, we're, we're going to lose those things. And those things that we built for ourselves in this time, most of those are going to pass away. Um, but if we lose our life, if we, you know, he says, he who loses his life will find it. Like ultimately, if we choose to invest our life you know, for a little bit more positive word than just like die our life, I guess. It's for us to invest our lives into the hearts of other people and to and to invest it for the kingdom of God. Then it's like what Nathan said, you know, we could have this eternal benefit and the things that we sowed in our life may many of them may never pass away. But it means it it ultimately means sowing differently it means investing your life in different ways and not seeking for your own pleasure for your own comfort but seeking to live a life of love towards jesus and other people that in many ways sounds like a sacrifice you know trying to be an other oriented person trying to be somebody who gives trying to be somebody who spends a lot of their time like instead of chasing after things that are gonna be fun for us um you know, instead of thinking, how am I going to enjoy my day today? Like thinking, how can I, you know, bring Christ to another person? Um, at some level, that doesn't sound so appealing or that sounds very hard. Um, but, you know, what's interesting is when you do it, you realize that we get such joy. Mm-hmm. And actually that you start realizing like the life that you're experiencing, like by giving up your life, you actually get to receive a real life. And um, I'm seeing that happen in my kids right now. Like Faye, um, Faye is all the time like making little missions for herself on Fridays on fellowship where she's like, oh, I saw this person and they weren't talking to anybody last week. So I'm coming to fellowship this, this week with the mission of I'm going to talk to that person. Like she's trying to find ways to like give and she, you just see the amount of joy and achievement and confidence that she gets because she's choosing to not be afraid we were at the beach getaway and she was like dad where should i sit i want to sit with some college students and be talking to them and like well there's an open seat right there she's like okay i don't know them but i'm gonna do it wow 
And look at her. And Aww. she's like, she's. It, it's like by pushing herself, she's like becoming much more mature. Mm-hmm. And she's, mm-hmm. you know, just eleven year old little girl that's like praying for college students and trying to serve them and and it's like she's really going to grow because of that and um but she's not doing it to grow she's doing it to give to the lord and mm. because you know so when we choose to to give that way man i don't know the things we receive are things we don't even imagine but but ultimately we're also building uh something that won't won't fade Neat, Christian. Thanks for closing us off with that thought. Um, I think that's it for today, friends. Thanks for joining us. Feel free to email me with questions or topic ideas at Anna at OregonStateXA.com. And please know that we as your Kyle pastors are committed to walking with you as you go beyond yourself to reach those around you as you're motivated by love. So go ahead and unbuckle your seatbelts and step out to see what God has in store for you this week. And remember, you must lose your life to find it and to find true joy in giving. Thank you.